0: Sometimes I just sit in front of the mic and I'm not quite sure what I'm saying or if I'm making sense and it just gets really overwhelming sometimes. Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. <laughs> Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watchin' Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week, I feel like I'm gonna hit you with an unpopular opinion of a film that's doing pretty well critically, um, and I'm interested to see how this is gonna go and what other people think of this film. Um, it has been a kind of a rough summer for me there have been a few movies here and there that have really stuck out um and hit me in a way that that I was really hoping for this summer but there are a lot that have kind of left me feeling cold or disinterested um and this week in a way both films kind of did that for me Uh, The first film that I saw this week was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. And the other film that I saw was The Great Hack, a documentary on Netflix looking at the Cambridge Analytica scandal and basically how social media data is being used to change politics in the United States and around the world. Um, Again, both films for me should have been incredibly interesting. Both are kind of in the wheelhouse of what I enjoy, but for different reasons, I I found myself not quite feeling both of them. So um, hang in there. I'm going to get right into it. So the first film that I saw this week was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio um, and sort of Margot Robbie. Uh, basically, the premise of this film is that a washed up actor who is played by a um, Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of contending with what he feels might be the end of his career. Um, and it's kind of his story of trying to deal with, um, in a sense, a changing Hollywood, but also a diminishment of his star, um, and kind of helping him through this process in a way is his stunt double who is played by Brad Pitt. Um, And all of this is going on with a, with the backdrop of kind of the Manson family, um, in the background doing their, whatever it is that the Manson family does. Um, and so we get a bit of, uh, Sharon Tate who in this film is played by Margot Robbie. And, and when I say a bit, um, you know, one of the things that's always challenging about films is, especially when when formulating your own opinion, is I'll be honest. I try to go in as dry as possible. Um, I tend to uh, try not to read as much as possible. Try not to watch any videos that are out there. I try not to look at press. But for something for a director like Quentin Tarantino, it's a little bit hard to avoid anything, and so when I found out that Sharon Tate, uh, and the Manson family were going to be pieces of this film, I got a little bit worried, you know, for those of you who, who don't know, um, you know, Sharon Tate was an actress who was married to the director, Roman Polanski, who is a problematic individual to say the least. Um, and to say the most, he's a rapist. Um, and basically you know with with that story you know in in the reality of things Sharon Tate was murdered while pregnant by members of the Manson family who were um basically these acolytes of uh Charles Manson who kind of built this cult following um of folks who kind of did his bidding and so you know obviously hearing that that character Sharon Tate was going to be in this film. And it's around that time. Um, it, it, it makes you a little bit uneasy, especially with somebody like Quentin Tarantino directing, you know, he is, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to quite put my finger on the thing that it is with him. So, I mean, like, I, 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 don't want to say that he's not subtle because as a filmmaker and as a writer, I think he can be incredibly subtle. I think he can do, really amazing things but especially with his treatment of female characters I I always find myself a little bit uneasy about what he's going to do you know sometimes he might do a good job other times it is as bad as it can possibly be this for me was a little bit somewhere in the middle and part of that uh, it, it starts to lean a little bit more heavily to the not so great side because of some of the things that he had said leading up to this film. So, um, in some interviews, Quentin Tarantino had kind of said that, like, "Hey, I'm going to be showing Sharon Tate as this more, you know, fleshed out, realized person, and not just this victim of this this violent crime." And I don't think he ever quite achieves that. Um, Sharon Tate, you know, Margot Robbie with, with in this film doesn't get much to do. Uh, honestly, she doesn't have that many lines. She's really not integral to the story that is being told. She is more of a footnote. Um, And that was something that kind of, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, especially with the way that he wanted to talk about this film and wanted to present it. And so I, I just want to kind of get that out of the way up top. Um, you know, obviously this film is doing really well critically and, you know, for the most part, I, I understand that. I mean, this film is well written for the most part. Um, most of the characters and the story, are well actualized even if the story isn't really that interesting like like let's be real um, one of the things that's bothered me a lot about this film and the discussion around this film is the idea that it is you know kind of this original piece of fiction and yes while it is a fantasy about Hollywood through the eyes of Quentin Tarantino it didn't feel Like anything new or revelatory for me. You know, it's a story about somebody who feels like they're washed up, dealing with that feeling and, you know, working through it. And sure, we get an amazing performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a great actor. You know, I really don't expect anything less from him at this point. He does a really good job in this film. Brad Pitt, likewise, you know, I don't always love most of what Brad Pitt is in. I think he's definitely made some stinkers in his time. Um, But I think he does a really great job in this film of playing the character that, you know, he was assigned to play. And and I think that is really where I would give the most of this praise for this film. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are great, their performances are fun and nuance. There's little pieces of their characters that you pick up, not necessarily through their dialogue or actions, but through little subtleties. Um, one of the things that you can pick up on is the bit of a stutter that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character has when he's not acting. Um, and I thought that was something that's really interesting and does a good job of putting on display that, um, You know, that kind of challenge that he's having in his career at this point. And so I I think that was really well done. I think um, the way that we kind of see Brad Pitt's character moving through the world and thinking about things and, you know, challenged by the world around him, unable to kind of leave um, his past behind in a lot of ways, um, contending with that in some in some subtle and some not so subtle ways. You know, again, I can't say too much about what that is because technically it's a spoiler, even though, um, I will talk about it a little bit in, in as roundabout a fashion as I possibly can a little bit later. Um, but I mean, I think those are the two kind of stand out elements of this film. Um, and, and there's a third, the third being the cinematography. I believe that this film is, you know, amazingly shot. I, I really love the camera work, the framing, the lighting, and some of the scenes. I, I think they've done such a good job of realizing this fantasy Hollywood that they wanted to bring to life on screen. The first area that I found myself kind of not really the biggest fan of this movie is some of the editing. And um, this is a problem that I've seen with Quentin Tarantino, kind of throughout his career in, in bits and pieces, he has this tendency to, um, just kind of jump around a a bit. And I don't mean, you know, in the pulp fiction sort of way where we're seeing stuff that happened later before a scene that we were just watching. Um, but before what's happening at the end. It's not like that in terms of jumping around, but I mean, like there are actual jump cuts in this film that really kind of threw me off and in some ways took me out of the film, uh, as I was watching it. Um, and I know for, for a lot of folks, that's going to be such a small thing, but, but for me, when I'm, when I'm watching the film, I'm watching all of these different aspects. And that was just something that, that kind of bothered me. And it was just like, why is it doing that. It didn't feel necessary. It didn't feel like it added anything to the story that was being told. Um the other piece of it was, you know, again, like getting back to that kind of originality piece and, and my challenge to that is I I have to be real. Like part of my issue with this film is this super white, super male Hollywood fantasy um, because it's not really a fantasy in a lot of ways. It's the reality that we were kind of watching. And so um, certain characters appear in this film who are non-white and realistically there's one main non-white character in this film, then it's Bruce Lee. And you know, yeah, Spruce Lee was an arrogant person in his life, but he is such a laughable caricature in this film that, you know, for one of the few people of color that we actually see in this film to be such a joke, it, it you know, again, it's like one of those things where, all right, as a person who loves film, I am supposed to be enjoying this product that, um, You know, is speaking to an age but reimagining it. But what it really does is kind of remind me that in a lot of cases, some of these directors, some of these writers, some of these actors may not necessarily feel that other people belong in their worlds or. Um, they're not as interesting as you know, kind of these white male figures, and so that was something that 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 kind of stuck with me throughout my viewing of this film. Like you know, realistically, some characters appear, some characters of color appear in the background, but they're they're not meaningful to the story. And so, you know, again, it's it's that idea of well, when you're when you're making a fantasy, like sure, you might be reimagining factual events or you might be inserting, you know, fake characters into real situations, but are you really reimagining that world? Is that a fantasy world that everybody can kind of see themselves in? And you know, if I'm being told that what that's what this film is, you know, when I look at fantasy, I I look for my way into it. And I know that's that's a challenge of all fantasy. And I'm not just talking about, you know, sword and board, you know, knights and sorcerers fantasy, like any sort of fantasy world that's being made. If you cannot find yourself, if you can't find yourself in that world, if you can't find your way into that world, it can be really challenging. And I know people would make the argument that, well, the characters are what you should be aligning with, but those aren't characters that I felt like I could align myself in a lot of ways. It's like, sure, we've all felt like Leonardo DiCaprio's character, but very few of us have ever experienced the level of success that his character had achieved. And so it's like somebody who is experiencing a decline in their career, while we may understand that feeling where we might be able to align ourselves with that. We'll never have that understanding of how high those highs were and how it feels to be where he's at now. And it's like, yeah, we can get a bit of that from the performance and he does a good job emoting that. Um, but I don't know. I just, I could not see myself in that world. I, I felt like I was excluded from it. And it it really spoke to that kind of, you know, white boys' club mentality of Hollywood. It just felt like that all over again. And, you know, to back to that point of originality, like that's not new, that's not novel, that's not interesting. I've seen this film a thousand times before, and despite having great cinematography and good performances, it doesn't change that for me. It doesn't make it something new or novel or interesting. It just makes it more of the same and i think that's that's ultimately kind of the challenge i mean we we're complaining right now that that too many films are sequels or reboots or prequels and you know while this is a new property you know quote new unquote property from quentin tarantino it's along the lines of all the films that he made before You know, it's the same sort of revisionist fantasy world that we get in Inglorious Bastards um, or Django. It's that same type of universe. It's that same type of feel. And to pretend like Tarantino's films are not a film franchise of themselves is kind of disingenuous. You know, people are going because, Oh, this is, this is the newest Tarantino. Um, you know, sure, he's an tour whatever that means, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he is above this kind of cyclical, um, nature of film production that we see everywhere else. Sure. He might take a little bit more time than other people between films. You know, it may not be annualized, but it's no different. I can buy a box set of Quentin Tarantino films, probably, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, I I know that's kind of like a nitpick and a gripe, but it's something that I, I kind of continually could not get out of my head after seeing that film. Um, and just like to, to go back to a point that I was making earlier with his relationship with women in his films, you know, again, like I said, while Sharon Tate didn't really have that big of a role. Margot Robbie, you know, wasn't given that much to do. One of the most well-realized characters um was a, a little girl that appeared played by Julia Butters. Um this character she I mean the the actress did a did a great job, but um she plays a very important role to Leonardo DiCaprio's character's plot and um, I felt that that was probably my, my favorite aspect of this film, but outside of her performance, you know, again, we had the, the lack of anything real for Margot Robbie to do. We have, um, these, this joke in the film, I'm going to call it a joke. I, it didn't strike me as funny. Despite the number of people laughing in my theater about, you know, implied domestic violence. Um, you know, and then, you know, within the context of this film, not going to say what it was, but you know, the actual on-screen violence committed against a woman, um, or multiple women in this film, it's just, I don't know for, for me, that stuff doesn't work in the way that I, 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 think it's intended. It doesn't land for me the way that, um, you know, it, it does for other people. And sitting in that theater, hearing people kind of laugh at those moments was was really kind of jarring and unsettling and a bit upsetting. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I understand that people experience film differently um, and they go into films looking at different things. And honestly, the stuff that I think about when I'm watching the film are not the same things that other people are thinking about or watching for. Um, but I hope that they can understand this critique and, and this issue that I, that I have with this work. Um, you know, again, I know for some people, they're going to say, well, those aren't really that big of a deal. There's such small moments, but you know, for, for me, when I'm watching media, when I'm experiencing, you know, media, the the smallest bits are usually kind of the most impactful, you know, again, like we, we go back to performances, like the stutter that Leo has when he is out of character is probably one of the, one of the best things about his character, you know, the way that, um, Brad Pitt's character moves his his mouth and and kind of um, you know his his little micro actions like those are the things that that stick out and 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 kind of hang with you about performances. It's not always just what they're saying. It's it's about the way they move, the way that they embody that character, the subtleties of what they do, and film is is very much in that same way. And so these smaller moments for me add up to, you know, in, in, in some senses derail aspects of this world. And so, you know, I I guess the easiest way to put it is, you know, while technically there is a lot great with this film, I am tired of this white male driven fantasy world within Hollywood, which isn't a fantasy at all. That's, that's just it you know, I, there are some great things about this film that I really enjoy and that I definitely will revisit. You know, there are aspects that I do want to see again, or, you know, look at the way that this was edited or shot, or, you know, there, there are things that I will go back to this film for. There are elements within the performances that I will go back for but i think it's important to point out these flaws and to really think critically about these issues and how we discuss media and and not just kind of chuck up things to being this this masterwork uh, you know I, I, again again i i want to be able to be invited into these worlds and not just to feel like I am standing on a porch, looking through a screen door, trying to make sense of what's going on inside. So that is, that's it. That's, that's, those are my thoughts on, on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I know that, I feel like that kind of became almost like old school LMT talks. I, I will be doing some more of that stuff on the podcast, but those are my thoughts on that film. So the other, the other film that I watched this week was The Great Hack, uh, which is a, basically a documentary about um, the Cambridge Analytica scandal and the basically how our personal data, which is being scraped from social media and other sources, and sometimes willingly given by ourselves to um, these different places is used in, in kind of shaping the politics of our world. And what I'll say about this documentary as a documentary is I feel that it wasn't as compelling as some of the documentaries that I've watched before, um, despite the subject matter being incredibly interesting to me. Um, one of the things that I, I think it does a good job is giving you a very, very rudimentary look at everything that went on here. So if you have no idea about this scandal or how our data from the internet was used in in kind of shaping things like Brexit or the 2016 election, this is is a good starting place for you because you can really get a lot of the kind of high level or, or the you know, the, the macro information without getting too deep down into the micro. And I think for me, that's where I kind of wanted a little bit more of the inner workings. Like, sure. We got a little bit more about the personalities involved. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily what I was looking for. And I know like they're trying to build a compelling documentary drama based on the personalities involved, but I don't know if the personalities are as interesting as what was actually being done and how it's affecting things and how it kind of connects with other behaviors that we engage with online. And so I think that was something that was kind of missing for me a bit. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, going back to those Fire Festival documentaries that had come back a little while ago, um, one of the things that I think they did well in tandem is setting the stage for the world in which all of this stuff, you know, happens and, and why it played out the way it did. And, you know, what are the elements that contributed to, kind of that, that major fiasco while also giving us the main personalities involved. And, you know, I think that this documentary was trying to do that, but didn't give us quite enough of the technical, um, to really get us to understand who or how these individuals really were affecting things, you know, um, uh, I, I, I found myself wanting a lot more from it within that regard. and And you know, realistically, I, I think what they what they really tried to do, uh, the way that I described this when I when I posted that I was watching it on social media was the fact that it was like true crime, but with um, you know our, our internet data and elections. And I, th- I think that might have been a bit of a shortcoming of it for me. Um, they were trying to make it as dramatic as possible, but I don't know if it really was that dramatic, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's kind of hard to put into words because as I was watching it, like I couldn't help, but feel like, oh, this isn't this isn't nearly as engaging as they think it is. This is, these people aren't nearly as interesting as they think they are. Um, And if anything, they're just frustrating. I'm watching people that frustrate me um, and I'm feeling disconnected from what they actually did, what the outcomes are and, you know, realistically what the implications are for the future, you know, Um, and I think it's especially challenging because You know, they don't. There was no way for them to predict. You know, stuff like the big Face app um, fiasco that's been happening, where you know, where where people are basically uploading you know photo data into a Russian-owned site's database. Um, You know, so we're, we're not necessarily referencing that stuff and and seeing where, you know, data sharing and data mining, scraping, whatever terms we want to use or, you know, whatever, whatever vehicles, um, they're using to do this stuff. We're not, we're not necessarily getting that follow-up where we're very much just looking at this is what Facebook did. This is what Cambridge Analytica did. These are the people who were involved. Let's spend too much time with these people that really aren't that interesting. Um, so that was one of the challenges that I kind of had with this documentary. I just wanted a little bit more from it. Um, I think it's well edited. I think it's well constructed, but, um, you know, honestly, I, I try to watch as many documentaries as I can. And this one just didn't quite hold my attention in the way that I was hoping for it to. And I, and I don't think it was quite as interesting as they thought it was. So, um, and, you know, again, I, I, I've done a little bit of reading. Some of it feels like it may not factually be correct. I, I don't want to say that 100%. But, you know, what I would say is if you watch this documentary and it's kind of your first um, insight into uh, this situation, definitely do your research afterwards, you know, read more about it and, and see are you know, where where are the gaps in in what was shown in this film what were the kind of other aspects that we that we didn't get so yeah so that's this week i'll be back in a minute Whoa. So thank you for hanging in for another episode of Mondays at the movies. Um, can't believe the summer is almost over the next time. One of these comes out, it's going to be August. Um, it's just flying by. I'm hoping that, you know, late stage August, we can get some better films. Um, I'm still waiting for a screening of the farewell to be, you know, near me so that I can actually review something that I, you know, something different, uh, something, something new. Um, but you know, we're, we're going to see if we're going to get that. Uh, we got another, you know, we have that fast and the furious spinoff coming up. So I, I'm, I'm just hoping that there are some enjoyable things coming up. Um, cause yeah. It's getting rough right now I mean like the challenge is when you don't have too many movies to see you can't really you know not to say that there's there's a lot of comparison that you can do but like thinking about films within the context of each other um, I know a lot of studios are, are, are trying not to compete with big releases and and Disney owns just about everything so they can kind of you know move stuff around at their leisure to make sure that it's you know performing adequately. Um, but I'm just hoping that the rest of the summer brings out some, some good stuff. That's interesting. Um, other than that, uh, as I've been telling you for the last few episodes, I'm now part of the hard knock media collective. Um, hard knock media is the medium podcast arm of the nerds of color. Um, basically your source for all things nerdy from the perspective of people of color. Um, you can check out a whole bunch of great podcasts like uh, Hard Knock Life, uh, which is all about, you know, it's the flagship podcast for uh, nerds of color. Um, you can check out Southern Fried Asians, which looks at the experience of Asian Americans in the US South. Um, you can also check out stuff like DC TV Classics that looks at how DC Comics you know, made their forays into television. Um, all of that can be found at hardnocmedia.com. So definitely check that out. Um, as always, I love to hear from you all. Let me know what you thought about these films. Did they strike you in a much more impactful way? You know, did you love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Is it your favorite Quentin Tarantino film? Uh, which I, I, I guess I should, um, you know, just in this, in this last little bit here, Um, I don't know if anybody is still going to be listening to this part. I I do think this is pretty mid-tier Tarantino for me, um, just because I think that this is such a, it's different and not different than a number of his films. And while the performances are great, I don't know if his Tarantino-ness. Um, is quite on full display here. Um, you know, it is in in some very choice moments, uh, but I don't know. I I need some time to think about it and to review some of his other works again. Uh, but I'll but I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, um, agree, disagree, want to chat about these movies? Hit me up at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media. If you want to send me an email, send it to Larry at L M two photo.com. Um, if you can definitely leave a rating or review on this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, um, it, really helps me out. It helps me understand if I'm doing a good job, doing a bad job. It also helps other people find the show. Um, you know, people who might be interested in it, who want to talk about movies, uh, or entertainment and our society. Um, so yeah, that's it. Um, I will see you all again next week. Stay watching fam. Peace.